Hello, everyone. How are we doing this evening? Wonderful. Pop quiz, hotshot. It's a quote from Speed, everyone. Pregnant woman steps on the bus. Do you, A, stand up and offer your seat? Or do you keep your seat there because uh, you were there first and uh, she clearly needs the exercise? <laughs> you borrow your friend's car for the day. When you've finished with it that day, do you, A, detail it, make sure it's got a good polish and then a wax. You go through, get out every bit of dust. You leave a nice bottle of wine on the seat and as you return it with a lovely bow wrapped around the car. Do you fill the tank? Just option B, fill the tank, say thanks, here you go, cheers for that. C, do you keep the car? Because you might need it tomorrow, who knows? Or D, do you uh, point it in the general direction of their house, you take off the handbrake, put it in neutral and let them know that it's on its way? <laughs> oh no, the toilet roll is getting dangerously low. Do you A, restock it? Or do you B, text ahead, send a uh, group message through, hey, just letting you know next time's going to kind of suck for you. Or, see, do you just continue with your day? Because, let's be honest, people have got to deal with their own problems. <laughs> or, you're at work. Some co-workers come up to you and they let you know that a good friend of yours has just died. Do you? A, take the day off, because you're going to need some time to process that. Do you shrug it off? That's a circle of life. Let's just move on with our lives. Or D, sorry, C, do you have a picnic with your local community? Got a bit dark a bit quick, didn't it? We've been going through a series called How to Adult over the past number of weeks. Uh, we've looked at topics, Kurt has uh, looked at topics such as using your words, how our words are really important and powerful, and how we should take care talked about generosity, how giving what we have to other people is an important factor of life, that what we have is not ours, it is for others. He talked about doing hard things, the fact that it's easy enough to take the easy path in life, but um, doing hard things is actually what God calls us to, not just the easy way. Mark talked to us about boundaries. I think I missed that one, so my life's chaos at the moment. Um, <laughs> But he talked to us about boundaries, and you had a panel that talked about relationships, um, as far as I am aware. I was only privy to half of it. Actually, I was privy to none of it because I wasn't there. Anyway, um, tonight we're talking about the topic of beyond me, looking beyond ourselves uh, and getting a new perspective or a better perspective about the world around us. This is our outline. We're going to look at four key things. What your life says, how you communicate to the world. We're going to look at clearing the way. What does it look like to serve others and what are some of the things that get in the way of that? What are some barriers in our world? We're going to see how God sets a standard for us um, and he sets an example for us to step up to. And then finally, we're going to go through some practical ideas at the very end, some things that you know might help you to 
have a catalyst, a bit of a gauge as to what to do next. Yeah, following so far? Good, good. Tonight, I will be drinking deep from the well of hypocrisy. Uh, and this isn't a disclaimer, it is definitely a confession. I am a messed up human being and I should apologise first and foremost to my housemates because things I'm going to talk about tonight, you'll be sitting there going, oh, Carl, I'm going to bring that up at home. <laughs> uh, yep, let's just say there is, there is a, a picture of my life uh, that I would like to live up to. Um, there is a way I'd like to live my life, and I think it's the way that God calls us to live. Um, I'm not far along that path, but it is a journey. Um, so, look, we're all in this together. Um, we're all messed up. Let's go with... Cool. We're going to look at two kind of core Bible verses tonight. first one is Luke chapter 14, verses 7 to 14. And here it is. Jesus, he was at a party. Woo, go Jesus. Uh, when Jesus was at this party, he noticed that all the people who came to dinner were trying to sit in the, in the seats of honour near the head of the table. And he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honour. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited the host will come and say, give this person your seat and then you'll be embarrassed and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honoured in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then he turned to his host when you put on a luncheon, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives and rich neighbours, for they will invite you back and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Jesus laying down some heavy advice at a party. And then the second verse we're going to look at, or passage, is over in Philippians 2, verses 1 to 8. So I expect that we all generally know this off by heart, but here we go. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? The answer is yes. Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together with the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. 
I worked for a while at a Milo Baptist camp. Just going to find my water bottle. Hey, here it is. Yeah, Milo Baptist camp. One of the favorite, one of my favorite activities to run was this thing called Initiative Pursuits. Anyone who has worked at Milo run Initiative Pursuits before? Yeah. Cool. I hear the uh, oh, that activity. That's right. Try to boil out the plague. I loved it. And we used to kick off, it's a team building, a series of team building activities. We kicked off with this. There's a line here, and there's a line off in the distance. You've got 10 anti-melting molten lava mats. And these anti-melting molten lava mats, you're going to use as stepping stones to get from here to there. And you've got to get your entire team across this big lava pit. Oh, no. I was safe, because I was wearing my lava-proof shoes, but everyone else in big trouble. So, that's our scenario. The trick with these anti-melting molten lava mats is that they only work when someone is touching them. So if you let them go and they're touching the ground and no one is making contact with them, they melt away into the lava forever and life gets a lot harder for the group. Does that make sense? Cool. Should we do it? No, I'm kidding. That would be a mess. There goes the rest of the evening. So, for those who have run it before, do you, what was your most difficult thing about it? What was the key problem that you discovered? Chenda, do you want to jump in? Um, people, just getting hasty. people got hasty. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, did you have a different experience or similar? Yeah, exactly. All this, I've, I've got this, I'll look after myself. So what we have, uh, you know, some boys, yes, it's always boys, they grab a mat and they're like... <laughs> <laughs> jumping across the lava, trying to make it to the other side. They get there and it's like, yeah, I'm safe. Ah, oh, dang it. Because they've left their whole team behind. Or uh, they've created a chain of stepping stones and everyone's like taking a step along and then they're like two steps from the end. And one person's like, yes, I made it. And all of a sudden, they've left a couple of mats there, uncontacted, they melt away into the lava, and the rest of their team is screwed. <laughs> so frustrating to watch, because you're like, ah! who is the most important person in your world right now? It is the person behind you. And so that is what we're talking about tonight, that sense of looking behind yourself, who are the people I need to be thinking about? Because our choices affect other people. Our choices affect other people. And those people need your help, or they will burn in lava. Because <laughs> it might come as a real surprise to you, but um, life isn't about you. Hmm. It's a really strange thought, but life is not about you. There is this war that goes on in us, this selfishness versus this selflessness that God calls us to, the selfishness where we want to look after ourselves and create our little home, our little utopia, and that's all that we're really caring about. And that's in direct contrast to what God calls us to, which is a selfless life, one that's looking out for others and... yeah doing better for the people around us, potentially to our own detriment. It's this 
contrast between wanting dominion over your own world and surrendering it to a higher power. And this is uh, really relevant to you guys at the moment um, because think about your capacity. Um, There are some parents in the uh, crowd here. If you think about this is how much time each person has, how much of that do your responsibilities take up? If you're a full-time uni student, congratulations, that's like this much. You've got like <laughs> 10 hours of the week, 15 hours of the week. Oh, and then you should do a little bit of study in SWATVAC. But this is your time, and these are your responsibilities there. Maybe you've got a job. Maybe you've got you know, someone that you need to catch up with or whatever. Your responsibilities are pretty low at this point in your life, and I guarantee you they are only going to fill out and get bigger. Um, If you see anyone around you who is a parent, who has other stuff going on, life just gets a bit more complicated. As we go on in life, those responsibilities stack up and then that that creeps into our time capacity. So maybe at this point, this is how much time you have and these are your responsibilities. This is your free capacity, right? And usually that's a lot of Netflix or whatever or coffee. It's so good. As you go up, as you grow up, same amount of time, but those responsibilities are going to encroach on your life. And so it's really important about what we choose to do with our life. Does that make sense? Yep? Cool. Wonderful. I think it's really important because God's two commands to us are these. Love God and love others. And we don't have much of a space priority order in that. Love God, love others. It's not a third one that says, and make time for yourself. It's love God, love others. And love is an action. Love is demonstrated. So if this is your time, in order to love other people, that's going to encroach on your capacity. Are we following? Yeah, cool. Wonderful. I think that in this massive war, there are two key character traits that are pretty critical to life. And those are humility and compassion, because they point to other people. They are the extrapolations of love. So if love is a command, the action of that is seen through humility and compassion, to which I will give this great definition, which comes from a guy called John Dixon in a book called Humilitas. It's a really good book. It's got an orange cover. Find it and read it. It'll change your world. Humility is the noble choice to forego your status, deploy your resources or use your influence for the good of others before yourself. Sounds a lot like the Philippians verse. More simply, you could say that the humble person is marked by a willingness to hold power in the service of others. So you've got power, you've got things for the service of other people. Cool. And the world is craving people who would genuinely step up and be humble and compassionate. Hear about what just happened in New Zealand. Oh my goodness. That is not a picture of love and humility and compassion. Um, That is an ideology that is very counter to what we're talking about tonight. But it does create an opportunity that in that messed up space, we can show love, we can show humility, we can show compassion by stepping into that space and serving others. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's going to take something on our behalf. That's going to be a sacrifice for us. 
And imagine a world where we all did this, right? Like, pay it forward. It's a good movie, crappy ending, but um, even there, like, it talks about doing three things for people that they can't do for themselves, but imagine a world where even the little things counted, where you didn't have to worry about cleaning the dishes because someone else has already cleaned it for you because that's just the, the compassionate heart that they have, the fact that, you know, you don't have to worry about um, whether or not you're going to find a parking space because someone's like, oh, you need a parking space, take mine and get out of the way. I don't know. Whatever it is in life, if this world functioned where we didn't look after ourselves but we looked after other people, then that would be a utopia, right? You wouldn't have to worry about anything. We wouldn't need lawyers because people would figure out their problems and be like, oh, no, that's cool, that's cool. We'd be very Canadian. We'd be like, oh, you've done something wrong? That's okay, I'm sorry, it's, probably, it's all yours anyway. <laughs> I work in the community services sector. If people looked out for one another, if we lived in this utopia of looking beyond ourselves, then I wouldn't have a job, and that'd be wonderful. I hear a lot of messed up stories because people are being selfish with their life and they're living out of a space of brokenness and not serving other people. Yeah. I'd love to not have a job. That'd be great. Not just because <laughs> it'd be great and I'd go to a rap police, but because I wouldn't hear stories of hurt, right? Anyway. Because in the absence of humility and compassion, hurting people double down. They build up their walls, they lock the doors, they hoard all that they can to create security for themselves. That's the dystopia that we're kind of trending toward. Look, I want to make a distinction here as well. Um, we're not about high ideological you know, utopias. That's not going to happen this side of eternity. But we do need to make a distinction when we're looking beyond ourselves between these two things. Um, the difference between living in harmony, which God also calls us to, and compassion. And what I, what I want to distinguish there is this. Um, in Keep Your Love On, is that right, Kim, the book? Yeah, he's got this uh, picture of, if I own a house, doors open, come on in. Whoever wants to come around, that's fine. But if you've got poop on your shoes, leave your shoes at the door. In that... We can be compassionate and we can invite people into our world, but we create boundaries and healthy boundaries, those are good things, um, in order to keep that space usable um, as, as an open door. Does that kind of make sense? As in, like, if everyone walked in with poop on their shoes, all of a sudden you just have a manure factory and that's not a great place to live. Or if uh, we're talking about just refilling the toilet roll and doing the dishes, that's great. Like, those are good things to live in harmony with your housemates and with your family. Everyone will get along better. But I think that's different to what Jesus is calling us to in a compassionate, beyond-yourself context. And I mean it like this. When, well, when boundaries are... Established. Like, let's talk about the dishes again, right? If, you, uh, if the expectation is that everyone does their own dishes, that's the expectation in our house, cool, do your own dishes, don't be a pain in the butt. 
as soon as these boundaries are set, then that's, that allows grace to flourish. Because I can not do your dishes and the expectation is fine, but if I choose to do your dishes for you, that's grace. It's not obligation and duty on my behalf in order to do what you should be doing, but it's actually a boundary that I'm stepping over in a positive way to give grace to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. But again, I think that's a little bit different to when Jesus talks about inviting the poor, the lame, the blind, the outcasts of society to a dinner instead of your friends. Or when Jesus talks about, um, in Matthew 25, he's talking about the sheep and the goats at the end judgment. And he talks about, did you clothe me when I was naked or feed me when I was hungry? Did you visit me in prison because... When I was in prison, I needed someone to come along. Did you do that? I think that's different to doing someone's dishes at home. I'm going to get talking about how our life communicates something to the people around us. Because as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. What you do in your life reflects what you believe. In um, the Little Hampton morning service, it's a guy called Sam. Uh, there are probably a few Sams, but there's one in particular that I think of, and I can't pronounce his last name. So, he's a great guy. If you've ever met him, he's just really flamboyant. He just is out there talking to everyone. He has this story that he told us recently where he was at a U Park in Adelaide, now, he parked his car and went to go to the lift to get to the ground floor. The, the lift's broken. Oh, no. What do you do? You do the thing that no one ever does, which is take the stairs. So he goes all the way down these several flights of stairs. And at the bottom of the stairs, he's a bit shocked because he comes across three homeless people just sitting there in the little room before the door. And they're both taken aback by one another. He's like, oh, gosh, you're here. Um, okay. He, being Sam, because he's just the nicest guy ever, is like, oh, hi, how are you? Just gets talking to them and asks them if they want anything. They say, oh, I wouldn't mind a coffee. Who wouldn't, right? And so he takes their coffee orders and then he leaves out the door. Surprisingly to them, he came back with their coffees. Like He could have just left and I think that's what they were expecting, that he would just truth off and do whatever he was going on to during the day. But because he came back and gave them their coffee, had one for himself, he sat down and got talking to them. Now, why is this a key story? Because I think it is a picture, a modern-day picture, of what Jesus is talking about when he says, go after the people who are hurting, who are really in need. And here's the thing that strikes me about what Jesus is talking about and what Sam did. What we are doing with our lives in that situation is we are communicating value. We're communicating that they are valuable, that they are loved, that they are acknowledged and they are accepted. And that, that is God's heart that we are communicating. Again, that's different to doing the dishes for someone else. This is, they need to hear that they are valuable. And that's what we're communicating with our life. 
Mark, just before I got up here, was praying, and one of the things he said at the end was about the inherent value of human life. He's talking about that. If we believe, because everyone is created in the image of God, that we have inherent value, then that should draw out of us the characteristic of selflessness, of compassion. Because is inherent value, our response to that is selflessness. Because we want to communicate something about God's heart to these people. Yeah. What we do communicates something to the world around us. If you leave dishes in the sink and don't bother about them, what you are communicating to the people around you are, I don't care, my problem, you can deal with it. My priorities are here and you sit here in the world and I am all about me. If there are new people at church and we all clump together with our just our friends and we don't approach the people around us, we're not looking beyond ourselves, what we are communicating is that this is my world, I've got my happy home, you're not invited. Right? We communicate implicitly something by our actions. I'm a youth leader, and if I go to youth and I just lead a clump, what I'm saying to those youth are, yeah, you're like, you're a duty, and we'll just get through this night. I've got other things that I really want to be doing. On the contrasting side, if I go out of my way to engage the youth, to engage the new person, to do my dishes and live in harmony with others, what I'm communicating to the world is that you are valuable, you are worthy of my effort and my sacrifice, and my world gets bigger with compassion. Does that make sense? Yeah? Cool. Wonderful. If you have couples dinners, which is great, and I know that they do happen, and as a single man, I don't go to those, <laughs> which is fine, that's cool, I still have my me goreng. Um, <laughs> but what are you communicating in that, right? Like you're communicating implicitly that there's this group, and in order to be valuable enough, to be worthy enough to be a part of said culture, you need to be not a single. There are things we do in our life that are our comfort zone and they speak to other people. And I don't, sometimes, I think that that's not what God wants us to communicate. The people I work with probably rarely hear, or no, they do rarely hear encouragement and that sense of worth and value spoken over their life. It is a mess for some of them. Um, when we engage with them and get to speak value and worth into their life, that is communicating to them the heart of God, that God loves them, that He is pursuing them, and that they are accepted, that they are valued, and that there is grace for them no matter what they've done. And isn't that evangelism? Like, isn't that a starting point? Maybe you're not spouting the gospel from the start, but you are beginning to communicate 
the gospel. The bottled water doesn't come from the Sahara. It's easier to serve when you're safe. If you sit in your comfort zone and you have your couple's dinners and invite around your friends and all that kind of thing, or you know you catch up and then go watch some Netflix and that's pretty much your week, it's pretty easy. Or if you're really encouraged and really uh, fear, you've got a mentor, you've got a small group and those people are feeding into your life and you're feeling really good, it's easy to step out from that space and serve others. But there are things that get in the way. So what are some kind of barriers to that sense of humility or compassion that I think God calls us to? I think when we're hurting, like when we've got stuff going on that we're probably struggling to process, that can put up a bit of a wall. If we're really greedy, like we're seeking that security, greed I think comes from a place of like a need to batten down the hatches. That gets in the way of looking beyond ourselves. If we feel shame about something and we're not really dealing with that, that gets in the way of us looking to others because we're always looking at what is wrong with ourselves. Or maybe a circumstance is just kind of in the way, which makes sense. Like sometimes you're on an island and uh, there isn't anyone around. Obviously, in that circumstance, there's not much you can do for other people. Sometimes our circumstances just get in the way and we've got to be realistic about how we can engage with the world around us. Kurt, in our intro sermon to this entire series, said this, Childhood is about you. You're a dependent and they're got to keep you alive. Little Ezra, my nephew, he's the cutest thing ever. He's here tonight and uh, he's not doing much for anyone. Um, <laughs> certainly makes me feel happy when I get to hold him, but um, that's about it. Childhood is about you. Adulthood is about others, about pouring yourself out on behalf of other people. But it's a struggle to pour yourself out when you're empty, when you are feeling like you've evaporated, you've got nothing left in the tank. That is a hard place to look beyond yourself. Bottled water comes from full places, not from a desert. However, our problems don't actually prohibit us from helping other people as well. Um, Case in point, Jesus. Jesus, working pretty hard, as he did, he was a little on a bit of a time schedule. He's working pretty hard, he's pretty tired, and he gets the news that a good friend of his has died. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. He's obviously going to need some space, he's going to take a bit of time, so he heads up a mountain and just needs some time to process. Yeah? Remember our question at the start? Cool. What happens to him there? Well, an entire crowd of 5,000 plus people rock up and they're like, woohoo, Jesus, give us more. It's been pretty good. How would Jesus be feeling in that space? Like, he's probably like, a little bit hurting, really needing. He hasn't got 
a lot of capacity. Well, I mean, he's the God of the universe, so maybe he's got a bit of capacity. But the sense is, like, in a human context, he's gone away because he's heard some bad news and he just needs some time and he needs a break. And these people are here. And what's the verse that comes next? It says, Jesus saw the people and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. And then he does the whole feeding the 5,000 thing. And then he sends them home late into the night. Gosh, like that is not the way that his day was supposed to turn out from his perspective, I believe. Yeah? Our problems don't necessarily prohibit us from helping other people. We do need to find a space where we can still serve those around us because people need our help and we have to find a space to do that from a place of hurting and brokenness. Ironically, there are two things that God says about this that really help. Number one, in 2 Corinthians 12, he says that my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on to say, therefore I'll boast about my crappiness and you know my inabilities and all that kind of stuff because Christ's power is made perfect in me in that moment. When we're hurting, it's not a fun space for us and we do need to have a bit of self-care time. But that's where God can really shine through and show his power in our weakness. If we're always working out of our strength, that's great, but maybe we get a bit of glory. But how much glory does God get when we're not doing well and then he really steps in? He wants to do both things, but it's pretty good. And the other thing to remember is this. You are accepted, you are valued, you are loved, and God is a provider. And he's trying to communicate that to the people around you. Remember, what we do in our life communicates something. And what God is trying to communicate, he's crying out from the pages of Scripture, is that he has got your back. He's done everything, he's wiped the slate clean, and that slate stays clean. You are secure in God. You don't have to get your crap sorted in order to step up. God has got your back already and he provides what you need. So, if you need help, ask for it. Self-care is important. We don't just consistently work from a place of emptiness and live out of a place of just always pouring ourselves out. Like God expects that we also do a bit of self-care. And part of that is connecting with him and realising that we are safe and secure. Part of that is self-care is having those couples dinners or catching up with friends or sitting down on Netflix because we need time to rejuvenate. Jesus did it to go hang out with the Father at the top of a mountain. But if people around us need help, we have capacity because we step into God's capacity. Yeah? And here's the thing, God looks beyond himself. Jesus, he got off the couch. He is our ultimate example of what selflessness looking beyond ourselves looks like. And if you can't make a case for that in like the next five seconds in your brain on your own, based on scripture, pull out your Bible and open to almost anything, right? Jesus feeds the 5,000 from a place of hurt. 
In 1 John 3.16, so one of the Johns 3.16, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for others. Yeah? Jesus gave up his life. That's a bit of a sacrifice. That's looking beyond himself. No one does that because they're looking to look after themselves. They give up their life in the service of others. Jesus stood between oppressors and victims. Remember the woman caught in adultery? They're about to stone her. And they're like, hey, Jesus, what did we do? He stood in that space and saved that woman's life. With the woman at the well, it's ridiculous culturally that he went and spoke to her. But he gave her hope and he gave her life by breaking out of cultural expectations. Jesus stood between oppressors and victims. Remember our Philippians verse? Jesus made himself nothing. He was the God of the universe. And he didn't hold on to that. He made himself nothing to serve us. He is our example. And in all of this, Jesus is communicating through his life the heart of God. And the heart of God says, I will give myself up because I really want you. That I will look after you. And I will do away with everything in order to be in relationship with you. Jesus, through his life, is demonstrating the heart of God. There is evangelism. God is humble. He is trying to communicate to those people around us, to the homeless people in the street, to the lonely kid in the corner, to whoever. Right? He's trying to communicate. And he chooses for some weird reason, to communicate through us. He doesn't need us. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's also a bit highly ideological because God chooses to use us. Our lives communicate to the world the heart of God. Imagine this. You're walking down the street. You walk up to... You've got your froco... You finish off your frozen Coke. You go up to the bin because you're a good citizen and you go to put it in the bin. Oh, there's some trash on the ground. Someone else's trash, you keep walking. Not your problem. And also there are people who are paid to clean that thing up. And then you keep walking along. As you're walking along, there's a, there's a homeless person who's sitting there and asks for a couple of bucks for, for a bus trip. You don't know whether he's going to you know, use it for the bus or whatever. But, you know, you're like, oh, sorry, no, nope, got somewhere to be. I've got to keep going. Keep walking, and you see a person crying on the bench. Yeah, you walk a bit faster there because, you know, that's a Pandora's box no one wants to open. <laughs> yep. And then you keep walking down the road. You get to an intersection. You're standing at the lights, and, oh, there's a car crash. Not a big one, but, you know, there's just a bit of a prank that happens in front of you. Whoa. Better keep, you know, shuffling around there. I hope the cops rock up soon and do something about that. We can always justify ourselves out of our circumstances. We can always justify looking after ourselves and letting everyone else look out for, their, for themselves. I do this in my life. It is stupid how I look after myself and know that I could be of use to someone else. And it is a choice to step in to help others. If you're walking down the road 
and you see that trash on the ground, and you pick it up because trash belongs in the bin. And you keep walking down the road, and you see the homeless person, and they ask for a couple of bucks, and maybe you give it to them. Or maybe you ask, hey, what's going on for you? Maybe that turns into half a day of a conversation and, you know, going and getting food. Oh, my goodness. That's your day blown. Guess what? Jesus had to feed 5,000. You just have to feed one. Maybe you keep walking and you sit on that bench and you go, hey, look, I just want to check in. Are you okay? Like, clearly there's something going on here. I mean, you're standing at the lights and there's a car crashing. You're like, oh, no, I have first aid. I'm just going to check that they're okay. Make sure you get people out of the way. Because, yeah, the ambulance will come and the police will come. But I can do something in this moment to help the scenario that's just in front of me. We can choose to communicate the heart of God to this world. And that takes training. So here are some practical ideas. We don't just step into that road scenario and one day I'm like, all right, I'm for everyone all the time. This is me putting, putting myself out there, communicating the heart of God to the world. No, no, no. It's the little things in our world that build toward that. And here are some ideas. Remember Robots, the movie? Such a good movie. Great quote in that is, see a need, fill a need. See a need, fill a need. Or, why be you when you can be new? <laughs> Let's go with the first. Um, there are some great quotes. I'll keep going. Uh, language is really powerful. Uh, I know yeah, some people, and when I hear them speak, their language is always... Um, I, me, them, they, blah, blah, blah. There's always this distinction. A quick suggestion, very small, but if you start turning your language from me to we, then it starts re-jogging, reconnecting your brain to think about how you're connected to the people around you and how the world around you is more than just you. Our, we, us, as opposed to I, me, that mine. Make sense? Good. You can pack up the chairs. At the end of the service, chairs need to be packed up and people need space to stand while they're cramming like seagulls for supper. Pack up the chairs and you're thinking about the people around you. You're creating space. You're doing stuff. Do the dishes at home. Remember, there's a boundary. If you cross that boundary in a positive way, which becomes grace, you're thinking about the people around you. Similarly, refill the kettle. Here's one that annoys me and really shouldn't. Refill the kettle. If you empty the kettle, refill it, because there's another person that's going to want to use it after you. Right? You don't have to, but choose to, because that's thinking outside of yourself. Talk to someone new. Communicate the heart of God that they are accepted and that they are valuable. Or lead on Easter camp. There are a phenomenal number of people who are highly skilled in a youth work scenario. They are incredible at engaging with youth and giving those youth value. And they are short on leaders. If you're not doing anything over Easter, or even if you are, Empty your calendar, go lead on Easter camp. I don't find it a burden. Well, it is because, you know, you don't sleep as much, but they are phenomenal 
opportunities. And those kids are great. Step out of your comfort zone. Go help them out. Or Kairos. We just heard of Kairos. You know, give people value. Go to prisons and talk to people who need to hear that grace of God. When the world accuses our generation of being entitled and conceited, our response should not be defensiveness or resentment, but a life that communicates the heart of God and of value to others. Ben, do you want to come back up? I'm just going to pray to finish up. Uh, If you want prayer for anything tonight, again, if they're praise points or if you just have some stuff that you want to process, remember, get help because the people around you need you to be healthy. They need you to be secure in God because they need to hear that they are valued. Yeah? Cool. So if you want prayer, there'll be some spots down the front. If you too much of a thing for you, stand up the back and someone will have a look for you and um, we'll get you some prayer. Cool, let's pray. Father, um, thank you for your heart. Thank you that you stepped out of heaven and died in our place. Thank you that you communicated to this world that you want us, that we are valued, that you will put yourself on the line in order to see us healthy and whole. Would you help us to communicate your heart? Please help us to understand what you know and think of us. And may we live out of that place to speak that to others. And may they come to know you as a result. Father, where we are messed up and hurting inside, would you bring your gentle grace? May you show us that the slate is clean and that you are strong, and that we are safe. We love you, God. Thanks that you have shown your love for us. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.